Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. I'm Lior Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sounds and the Consequence Podcast Network. If you're not already a subscriber to the series, I hope you do hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now. Especially if you're a fan of interviews and uh, a big old music nerd like most of us. Uh, we put out interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over at Consequence of Sound. Would love to keep you up to date. Of course, you can subscribe anywhere you get your favorite podcast from. That includes iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, as well as YouTube. I'm Kyle Mayer. Today, my guest, one of my all-time favorite artists. I, I can't tell you how excited I am about this one. Mr. Nick Lowe. He's once again got together with Low Street Jackets for a new EP, the Love Starvation Trombone EP, which we will talk about uh, quite a bit, the songs here, like Love Starvation and Trombone, as well as uh, one of the covers on there called Raincoat in a River. We'll hear how the, uh, the entire collaboration with Low Street Jackets came about and where they plan on taking it, too. This isn't uh, the only, I mean, there was an EP last year, they had the one this year, there's probably going to be another one down the road as well. Nick Lowe will tell us how he's been uh, reconnecting with his past to make new music and new sounds. And speaking of that past, of course, we're going to hit on some classic records like The Impossible Bird that came out in 94. And maybe his uh, most famous, at least here stateside, the Labor of Lust record that, of course, had Cruel to Be Kind on it, came out the same day Dave Edmonds repeat when necessary. It was the same day because it was the same band. These are rock pile records. We'll get some of the history on that as well. There's also a bio coming out uh, later this summer. Nick's not writing it himself, but uh, it turns out he is a big part of it. Although I'll say that line with an asterisk, which uh, seems to be par for the course for a lot of what uh, Nick Lowe says. There's, there's usually an asterisk involved. It's a quality rock and roll interview. It's Kyle Meredith with Nick Lowe. Oh, Kyle, hello. It's um, Nick here, Nick Lowe, calling from London. The show is coming up. We're going to have you in, uh, right here in Louisville, KY, September 26th. Uh, you're on the tour with, of course, Low Straight Jackets with you and uh, and the Mavericks on that bill as well, the Brown Theater. That's that's a really perfect build, too. I feel like uh, what you're doing right now with the uh, Low Straight Jackets and the sound that the Mavericks have, I mean, that kind of makes this whole, I don't know, Arley-themed sound for the night. Is that a is that just a coincidence? Uh, I suppose it's a coincidence, yeah. That I, I'm, well, it, can it really be? You know, I, I, no, what am I talking about? I would think probably that there's been high-level talks <laughs> to get us on this bill, and uh, I'm, I'm really pleased about it. I think, I think you're right. I think it's a super bill. 
Now, this continues the um, quality rock and roll review that, that you've been on. What, what makes up a quality rock and roll review? <laughs> well, uh, it started be, uh, really when I first got together with the Straight Jackets, who I've known for, for, uh, for years um, a- anyway, you know, just on the circuit, so to speak. But um, it, it comes from uh, about six years ago. I released um, a Christmas record, um, which to everyone's surprise and delight, did very well, especially in the United States. But shortly after it, um, it, it was released, I lost two very close friends who, who I toured with and worked with for a, a long time. Bobby Irwin, my drummer, played, played drums with me for years, and Neil Brockbank, who used to co-produce the records and tour with me. And it, it kind of took the wind out of my sails, but it was the, the great thing about a Christmas record, as you... Uh, I'm sure no, is that as the cliche goes, it's the gift that keeps on giving, you know, so every every year when it rolls around, you know, you can put it out again. And uh, one, uh, the next year came around and it was suggested that I might do some shows with the, with Lost Straight Jackets, a Christmas tour with Lost Straight Jackets, which we did. And we called it the Quality Holiday Review because my the Christmas record was called Quality Street, which is a sort of a, a joke, uh, in joke over here. In that there is a, a make of of candy over here called Quality Street, which is well, I, I won't I won't say what I think of this stuff, but it comes out every Christmas. It's re- it comes out every Christmas. It's massively popular. This this Quality Street. Now, I don't think anyone buys it at any other time of the year. So I called the Christmas record Quality Street. And so quality, quality, as you say, and holiday, you know, seem to kind of rhyme. <laughs> quality and holiday don't sound quite as good in an English accent. So now, you know, you've got the rock and roll side of it and everything. And, and I've loved what you all have been doing so far with it, with the straight jackets. You know, of course, you know, we did love the Christmas album, too, and, um, and the EP that came out last year. Now we have the second one, which... Um, I, I got to tell you, Love Starvation, it quickly went to one of my favorite Niccolo songs. It's it's in that top platform right there. I'm I'm really pleased. Yeah, it's, it's having a little it's having a little moment over here as well, uh, I'm, which I'm, I'm extremely pleased about, and and also really quite surprised. But um, that, that's 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 wonderful. Yeah, and the the thing is with it, it, it it's a really good pairing with the straight jackets. Now, of course, we've done this for quite a long time. We we did we did the Christmas. We did the Christmas show for about th- three years, and then that got, well, it got not exactly old, you know, but we thought we'd kind of done it, you know. And uh, But then we started to get offers to do out-of-season work, you might say, and that's when really things started taking off, and I started writing songs for the for the project, and, uh, and uh, Love Starvation was one of them. And now we've got a, we've really got it uh, um, rolling at the, and now, I'm pleased to say. It's such a great pop song, and I'll say that about a handful of the songs on this as well. I've heard you say that the trick is to not to overthink a song, and and I think I'm still surprised in that, because even when you get a song that comes across as simple, like Love Starvation, there's still a lot of depth and tricks in in that track. I mean, how do you find the balance? I actually put a lot of thought into making it sound like I didn't put any thought (laughs) into it, if you see what I mean. Uh It can take weeks. To make it sound like you just made it up, and you've you've got to be careful that you that you don't, as I say, uh, as I said, um, overthink it. You know, because then it, then you get into this sort of 
kind of cutesy pie, clever, kind of clever, clever stuff that, that when if you think about it too much. So you've got to, as you say, get a balance. And I don't know how you get that balance. So the, the, the rule of thumb to me is if uh, that I think the song's finished, if I think I'm singing a cover, if I can't really hear any trace of me left in the song or what I think is me, you know, any of my little tricks and things, which, you know, my, my, my fans kind of like, but I don't like them so much. <laughs> so you've got to get a balance to keep it so that, you know, your, your people don't get put off. Um, but also it, it can, you know, it's something that you can feel you can perform anytime, anywhere. It's a, you reminded me of the, the people who, um, you know, you said you work a long time to, to, to make it sound like you didn't think a lot on it. That's like the people with their hair who spend like an hour in the mirror to make it look like, you know, they just woke up out of bed and, and rolled away. That's, that's the unfortunate oh, parallel I'm drawing here. <laughs> um, the, 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 another song that, <laughs> you know, the other song in here that I love so much that almost gets the, um, I don't know, the, uh, the, the, the other star attention outside of Love Starvation is a song Trombone. And I, a trombone is not what one usually thinks of within a romance song, but that is your instrument of, of choice here. What brought that on? <laughs> I know. A trombone is a real weird one. I, I mean, I, I remember when I first... It, it just sounded good. You know, it just sounded good. Um, the word, you know, so I was right. I came up with this simple tune, and I thought it sounded like a Neil Diamond song. You know, I could hear, come play your song. You know, that sort of sounds like the kind of thing he'd do. And the word that I kept on doing, because a lot of songwriters will tell you the same thing, that you start off making noises, you know, and then and then one of these noises that you're making that feel feel good, you know, will, will turn into a, a word and will give you an idea for how the song goes. But I kept on doing it. Come, on, come play your song. And I and as you say, when I thought, well, this sounds like trombone, you know, does this really work? Does people really want to hear it? And I tried to persuade myself, well, of course they do, you know, and a trombone's played right, you know, sounds real soulful and, you know, but it, I agree with you, you know, it's not, it's not the, uh, the first instrument that comes, comes to mind. And for that reason, I have sat on this song for a while because I thought it was a bit, well, as you just said, you know, didn't, something about it, well, I thought it was kind of cool that it was called trombone, but uh, but uh, I didn't know if it really worked. And I actually played it to my friend, uh, J.D. McPherson. Well, I played him this. I said, J.D., what do you think of this? I've got this little idea. This is way before I'd finished it. And, and I saw his sort of face become more and more horrified and, um, <laughs> and, he's, and, and take on this kind of rictus smile, you know, with a half of terror, you know, like a, like a chimpanzee, you know. Like a chimpanzee goes when it's frightened. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah, 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 that's pretty good. And I, then I thought, oh, God, this isn't really isn't going to work. You know, he didn't need to say anything. So I sat on it again for another year, you know. And then, and then I got it out, and there, everybody else seemed to like it. So there we are. <laughs> so it's JD's fault that we've, uh, we didn't hear it until now. That's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember yeah, that I one. Blame, I entirely blame JD. I entirely blame him. <laughs> Now, I noticed for the the single artwork for Trombone, you used a, an animated version of a, a Herb Albert cover, right? Yeah, that that was the that was the idea. Yeah, we um, it certainly had that sort of feel. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder, you know, as you write about characters through the years, is 
Do you find that there's a central character on this EP because there's a bit of a lovelorn theme and then we possibly get the turnaround with the cover at the end with a raincoat and a river? Yeah, I, I, there isn't really... It's, I, I've, it's too hard to write songs, really, and, and, and with a theme, you know, to have something ri- riding through them, linking them all. Um, I find it really quite hard to, to do it. Uh, at least to write something that I think stands up, you know, and and is is um, is fun and got, has got some bottom, you know. And uh, what can I say? Well, the older I get, there, there seems to be no end to the to the possibilities of uh, of uh, what love and the lack of it do to people. Um, how they, you know, it makes them go mad, really, in some cases. And uh, I, f- I find it an endless possibilities for, for songwriting because you can invent a character. You know, I I'm not a diary, putting my diary to music sort of songwriter. You know, I, I make it up. And if you make up a character doing it, you know, so, so much the better. You can make the character do almost anything. But I know what it feels like to have your heart broken or to uh, feel uh, slighted and, and lied to and even to have lied to someone you know I, i've experienced all the good and bad things about it so i know what i'm singing about but i i do tend to make up the characters uh, in, in my songs and have them them do it well it's nice how it works on this because uh, uh, maybe you know by coincidence or unintentional i, I do feel like there is um uh like i said it feels like there's a character and then and then we get to that cover with raincoat and river and I don't really know how it ends up for this person, but it feels like maybe there's a some slight turnaround for them by the end of it. So maybe maybe life's going to get better. <laughs> that, that's how I at least hear the EP. Well, well it, it is a, it's a great song. I, I wish I'd uh, I wish I'd written it. It's a it, it's a great song. I heard it the version by uh, Sammy Taylor that a, a, a friend of mine uh, a friend of mine brought round to the house one day, and I thought, oh boy, that's a real cracker. You know, I think I could have a go at doing that one. And it is. It's, got, it's a sweet sentiment, and um, it, it's sort of tough and tender. You know, there's something that I, I, I like those songs when you, when you can find them. Yeah. It's a great combination. You know, a lot of artists, as you progress through your career and you get older, it, it seems like a lot of artists, and, and I, won't, I won't try to project straight to you, but it, it seems a lot of folks do try to... Um, to go back to their earliest roots, not maybe their first albums, but even before then, you know, the, the stuff they came up on and try to find something new to spin to those sounds. I mean, we see that with, with Dylan, with the crooner stuff right now, and I feel like, you know, Willie's been doing it as well a little bit. With, with Love Starvation and, and, and a couple of these songs, and especially with a song as, you know, as, as, as old as, uh, as, as that one right there with Raincoat and River, do you find that you're doing that as well, that you're going back to those pre-career uh, sounds that you grew up on and, and trying to, to mine those? Yeah, to a certain extent, I, I, I think so. I, I've, I've really liked or seen the wisdom of not playing loud for quite a long time. When, 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 I, when I started out making my own records, you know, they, they, we used to play loud, really, and Rockpile was a loud group. And um, it's fun to do that, but the, the, when, you're, when you're a kid, you know, but when you get older, it's, uh, you, you suddenly realize that you can't really do some of the things that you fell in love with when you were listening to, to music when you were a kid, you know, the, the stuff that influenced you, which wasn't played loud. You know, for instance, you can't really swing loud. And swing is a, a, an element in music which is really out of fashion now. It, 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 I guess suppose it, it'll come back again. But 
because most pop music, in pop music I'm talking about really, um, because most pop music is made with, with drum machines, and this is, I'm not going to make another boring you know, rant about drum machine music because there's great, great records made on drum machines, but they don't swing. And um, most pop music is made with them, you know, so that's why there's a whole generation that's come. In fact, uh, a lot of younger people get sort of embarrassed when they hear things swing. You know, they they think it's really kind of creepy. Um, but I think it's the sort of magical ingredient in music, which fascinated me when I was a kid. I, I, how How one person can play this thing and then another person plays that thing and they and the and the two things they're doing sort of act against each other or and act against and with each other and produce this amazing sort of musical phenomenon and uh, you you can't you can't induce that if you play loud so for quite a long time now i've been championing this uh uh, to, to play to play quiet, and I, I now I'm in a position to be able to get a you know turn it up a little bit, turn it back down again. You know I, I don't quite know how to explain it really, but it's not it, it's not a uh, you know I'm not on some sort of trip of, of uh, right now I can I can do stuff from my the stuff I grew up on because I I I, I incorporate that all the time as well you know and mix it up my, to my own recipe. It seemed like, um, as history has painted it, the turnaround for, you know, kind of find, re- rediscovering that style came from the Impossible Bird record, which which happens to be, you know, 25 years this year. This seemed like this was a big record for oh, you. I can't believe it. <laughs> 25th anniversary. That was, wow. But it was a big turnaround for you, right? Like a kind of a, a comeback record, I guess? Yeah. Yes, I think you could definitely say that. I'd been thinking about this sort of playing, you know, sort of rocking hard whilst hardly rocking, you know, <laughs> this sort of theory, you know, on, on, on a previous record, that I did a record called Pinker and Prouder, and I tried to, 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 to do this, uh, this kind of thing on that record, but I couldn't really get anyone to sort of believe that I meant it, you know, at, at the time. And as a result, it, it's actually managed, I managed to do some pretty good tracks, uh, on on that record, but the Impossible Bird was the uh, was the first one when I actually had some people you know that, who knew what I was talking about and and went with it and uh, to try and get this kind of very it's not for everyone but I was I I had nothing to lose at that point you know I wanted to do something that sounded really homemade you know and kind of uh, kind of basic but but basic but soulful and not trying to cop any any act you know uh, particularly just with a different variety of music, and um, I can't believe that you just told me it's 25 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think the actual release date's later in the year. If I, I don't have that part written down, but yeah, that'll celebrate the 25th. And 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 then with you know, it, while, while I'm making you feel you know quite a bit older, if that's the case, uh, I mean, it is also the 40th anniversary of Labor of Lust, and I'm sure someone's pointed that out. Uh, you know, Labor of Lust and Repeat when necessary. Just turned 40. Go, something wow. like that. Yeah, so they keep coming. No, I wasn't aware of that either, but it, that, that is amazing. Yes, because we recorded those two at the sort of at the same time, practically, at the, um, when that was Rockpile. Mm-hmm. You know, we only actually did one Rockpile album, but we made loads of for records as, as Rockpile. We just weren't allowed to call ourselves Rockpile for, for contractually, but um, both of those records were, were Rockpile records. And we, um, it wasn't until they released um, Labour of Lust 
couple of years ago that they and they got the original tapes out um that they discovered that uh, we'd actually done the two records at the same time i think we we were doing labor of lust in the daytime and going back in in the evening and doing uh, yeah repeat yeah in the in the evening seems seems incredible now we, you know that they're actually so good <laughs> i mean was it hard to keep that all straight did you know that you were making two records did you did you have to put a you know marker in the sand no we didn't know really uh, i mean we, we it was so it was such an exciting time and we were so thrilled you know that we were getting noticed and um and having all this uh, well it was it seemed to be success on our own terms you know we we were we were the uh, rock pop with the go-to opening act you know we we would we would we opened for everybody and usually they were they were either people who were right at the top of their game or or they were on the way out and generally the people who were on the way out they didn't like the fact that we you know had had such a good reaction they liked they liked the fact that we, we were the opening act on their tour but they didn't really like the fact that we were doing so well so they they'd cut our time down and it's the worst thing you can do really to 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 a band is to cut their time down because that all they do is play their best tunes you know and then and then kind of leave the stage kind of you know shrugging their shoulders and looking sorrowfully at their watches you know as if to say i'm sorry you know sorry we can't play anymore while the, while the crowd goes wild and we would that we loved that and and also felt that we never wanted really to be in a position where we weren't the opening act you know we we were having too much fun to ever uh want that you know to have to do two or three hour sets and you know and actually work for a living you know we were having we didn't think we were actually doing much work but it, but it, but in fact we were we were doing a lot of recording and and doing these tours when we had we had a ball so it was a very exciting time for us and uh you know, it just flew by. I mean, when you look at that one year alone, and I think you can pick several of them around there, but, I mean, 79, not only did you put out those two records, but, uh, you know, uh, Costello's Armed Forces came out that year. I think that was the same year that uh, you were part of Carlene's uh, record. I mean, it's just, it, it on paper, it looks insane, because to think, and also you toured. Like, I, I don't know how anyone would have made it through all of that. I, I know it, it does seem uh, unbelievable now. When, when uh, you know, I sort of stroke my chin and scratch my head, you know, and, and and might be able to record one or two tracks, you know, in maybe in six months. You know, <laughs> we used to knock them out, knock them out back then. And as you say, to all the touring as well. In fact, I probably wouldn't be talking to you if it hadn't been for all all that touring we did as Rock Pile. Because even now, people, you just got to mention the word. You know, I, we we do with the Straight Jackets. We do uh, an old rock pile song, and I say this is an old rock pile song, and the cr- people go absolutely crazy. And and also people who weren't even born when we were going, who were in the audience. The the reputation of the group is, you know, way in excess of our of how good we were, really. <laughs> Thank God we never actually got back together again. You know, people could have seen how <laughs> hopeless it was. No, we weren't well, on our night we were we were really pretty good, you know, but um uh, we had we certainly had our ups and downs. Yeah. Well it is some fantastic music. What whatever name is on it, you know, Rock Pile or, or, or your own. I I read that uh there's a bio coming out in August. Is that just someone else is doing that, or are you involved with that? Well, um, I, I, I didn't intend to be involved um, in, in it. Um, it was, it's, been, it's written 
by a friend of mine called Will Birch, and he it's taken him about, I don't know, six or seven years to do it. But when he asked me if he could do it, I was flattered when, when he asked me, but um, I really didn't want him to, um, because I, I think that that stuff should come out after you're dead, you know, so there's actually an end to the story. But he's a friend of mine, as I say, and he's written um, some other books that have done well, music books. He wrote a biography of uh, Ian Dury and uh, and several other things. And and uh, and I actually thought, well, he'll give up on this <laughs> when he when he starts it. He'll, he'll realise it's you know he's on a loser here. And then I thought, well, because he he just kept on doing it, uh, you know. And I thought, well, he's not going to give up. He'll, and then I thought, well, he'll never get a publisher. That's what I thought. So don't relax, everybody. It'll never come out. And my intention was to be rather aloof from it. You know, I didn't really care. He was interviewing everybody I knew, you know, and and, uh, and I didn't really mind what anyone said said about me. In fact, quite honestly, you know, the more outrageous, the better. You know? <laughs> and uh, so I, 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 that was my intention. But then he called me up one day and invited me to lunch because he dug up some stuff about my family, uh, some uh, about my, you know, going back a few generations, which was fascinating to me. I, I, could, I had no idea about it. And it was it was extraordinary. And next thing I knew, he got me in and he started to ask me questions about my dad, you know, and, and, and my my mother. And I was happy to talk about them. But that was all that needed to happen. You know, next thing, oh, my God, you know, I'm talking about Dave Edmonds. And, <laughs> you know, so I got kind of reeled in to it. So I, I, I have had something to do with it, but but kind of unwillingly. You know, I've, <laughs> I've done my best, but I haven't exactly been wholehearted in my encouragement uh, of it. But I, I won't be reading it. I definitely won't be reading it. But um, I don't know what else to say about it. Really. No, it's all right. I'll, I'll be reading it. And uh, you know, when you come to town, I'll, I'll at least give you the thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> I'm looking right, forward to it. I right. really am. I mean, you know, even if it's the semi-official story, uh, I mean, you've had such an interesting career. Your songs that you've written have meant a lot to many of us. So to you know to have the story in one spot, I mean that's um, you know uh, I don't know. Do you read other artist uh, biographies? Because I, I sure love them when I when I have a, an artist that you know I'm, yeah, I'm close to their I, music. I, yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Actually, I do, and also I can watch a documentary on the TV about anybody, mm-hmm. even if I can't. You know, I've got no interest in their in the group. You know, or the artist. I can watch a documentary about anybody. I think it's always fascinating. Although. I'm much more interested in the early years. I, I don't really, I don't really care once they're hobnobbing with the Hollywood celebrity and the the, uh, the glitterati. You know, I, I don't really care much about that. But I love reading about sort of a big people's early days. It's fascinating. Well, I'll look forward to that book. And then uh, again, uh, you know, let me th- uh, promote the show here too. September 26th. With uh, low straight jackets and the Mavericks at the Brown Theater, they got the you got the uh, the new EP out. Uh, this sets you up for a trilogy. Everybody loves a trilogy. If uh, if there's another EP coming, <laughs> um, yeah, I think there, I think there probably will be. Yes, I've got a, um, a few things that uh, we haven't we haven't recorded yet, which uh, we've been doing live because you know I don't want to make it just a sort of a the, the straight jackets are by no means my backing group or anything like that you know this this is something we really do do together so although we do a number of of you know tunes that people know uh, of uh, of mine wouldn't I, I couldn't possibly not 
you know, or four or five others, you know, that, that people know. Um, but there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, it's, it's supposed to sound like it's relevant for today rather than some retro uh, tribute act or something, a tribute act with the original bloke in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that would be a kind of dismal. So, uh, yeah, so we, that's why, that's why we, we, you know, we keep the EPs coming out and uh, keep, keep new, new tunes and put them in and see if people like them. You know, I don't, I don't sort of tell people, this is a new song. That, that's, you know, one of the dis- most dismal phrases in the English language, you know, I think. <laughs> We're going to do a new one now. <laughs> so we just, we'll just do, do the new stuff and not tell anyone, you know, and, and see how it goes down. Well, uh, again, when they're as uh, as good as the ones you've given so far, I don't think uh, I don't think anybody's minding. Uh, I'm certainly not on this side. Nick, it has been an honor and a pleasure talking to you today. Uh, I look forward to having you guys in town, and uh, and thanks so much for the conversation. Not at all, Carl. Thank you very much uh, for having me. All right, we'll see you soon. I hope so. All right, take care. Bye bye. Thank you. Oh man, my thanks to Nick Low right there. Uh, again, the latest EP is called Love Starvation Trombone. Sort of a double A-side sort of thing. On tour this fall with uh, Low Street Jackets and the Mavericks. And thanks to you, by the way, uh, for making it to the end of the interview. Uh, Before you get out of here, hit that subscribe button. Uh, Again, you can do so at iTunes, Apple Podcasts. You can do it at uh, Spotify or YouTube. uh, Whatever's comfortable for you. Wherever you're listening from right now, there's probably a subscribe button in front of you. After that, you can head to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where you can also find some bonus episodes of this series. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can also find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, Facebook, slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition of Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.